As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Big Ten Football Podcast. This is Bill Landis. I cover Ohio State. I'm joined, as I always am, on Tuesdays by our Penn State beat writer, Audrey Snyder. Audrey, there's a huge game in the Big Ten East Division on Saturday. Who do you like, Rutgers versus Michigan, on Saturday night? Baby, give me Rutgers. I mean, you have to, right? Like, What, what world are we living in? where you have to think twice about who you think is going to win that game. It's a hellscape, Bill. This is 2020. Um, I mean, you could say that the the really big game on Saturday is the one I'm covering, uh, Penn State-Iowa, but it's definitely not. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep the focus on some more competitive contests this week because uh, the Nittany Lions certainly uh, are not that at 0-4. Yes, let's, let's turn our attention to the only team in the Big Ten East, which... I don't know, might be the worst Power 5 league in, in football, Power 5 or 5 division <laughs> in football at the moment. Uh, the only team in that division to win a game last week, the Indiana Hoosiers, which beat Michigan State 24 to nothing, moved up to number 9 in the AP poll. And on Saturday afternoon, it will be in Columbus, Ohio, to face the number 3 Ohio State Buckeyes. It is a top 10 matchup. It is a matchup that very likely decides the Big Ten East division and the place in the Big Ten championship at the end of the year. And I am interested, Audrey, in your perspective on this because I obviously cover Ohio State and I'm kind of close to it. And maybe I come at it from a different viewpoint. You are not close to either of these teams, but you have seen both of them with your own two eyes in person. Um, and yes. I haven't. I haven't. I've watched Indiana on television. Obviously, I haven't seen them in person yet. Um, let's start with the spread. It's 21 points. When you saw that come out in a top 10 matchup, were you surprised that the spread was that big? Yeah, that's surprising. I'm not a I'm not a gambling aficionado, um, but to me that is really high. I mean, I think, but I, I guess Bill, it makes sense in regards to nobody is really respecting Indiana right now because they're not. It's not supposed to be going like this, right? You always kind of think of them as the doormat, and oh, it's you know, right now it should be basketball season and nobody cares. But that's uh, that's interesting, and I guess to Bill, part of that. I don't know, how does Ohio State take last week in terms of 
do you worry about losing momentum or is it like a, okay, it was a get right time? Like how, how do they, how do they feel about that? Yeah, the the unexpected week off came at an interesting time because if you if you looked at Ohio State's scores, you might think, oh, this team's rolling, like they 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 got everything mm-hmm. clicking, and and it would mean something, I guess, to interrupt that. But if you had watched the games closely, they're all lopsided wins, and right. and the Penn State game probably should have been more lopsided than it was. But there Quite were things. Frankly, that pop- I don't know how it wasn't, Bill. Right, <laughs> Looking right. at Penn so, State, I really don't know. But there, there are things that pop up in, in all of those games that that um, are red flags for some, I think, just sort of general concerns for, for most people, at least enough that you don't think like Ohio State was not firing on all cylinders before it got its game canceled against Maryland last week. So I think you can take that and argue like, well, having a weekend off is maybe a good thing for a team that's still trying to figure some stuff out. So that's where I am with that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think it interrupted anything because – Ohio State had certainly questions on on defense. I think they had a run game that they're looking to get get in the shape a little bit. Some offensive linemen that could be playing a little better. Um, still, all v- kind of very good um, and great in some cases, but elite uh, I, yet, I do, Bill? Do we say elite? Not no, not okay. elite yet. If and if it not were, yet. I would think maybe the week off was a problem. But because it mm-hmm. wasn't, I, I'm not there with it. I think it was actually going to be kind of helpful for Ohio State. Yeah, that's what I wonder because it's like basically, I mean, you can say it's a bye week, you know, <laughs> in, in a season where you don't have those, and obviously. Ohio State, I'm sure, wanted to play. Uh, Maryland, I'm sure, wanted to play as well. But, I mean, that's just the reality of this year, right? Like, you get rolling and, hey, this pandemic can pop up at any point. Um, You're still trying to play through it. But, yeah, I was curious about that. But back to your point about the spread, um, I did not realize it was that big, 21 points. Uh, That, to me, is not really giving your boy Michael Penix any love. It's not, and uh, myself and, and Ari Wasserman discussed this this spread at length on on four to six the NBA or High State podcast, and I think twenty one. If it were anything less than twenty one, I would be like hammer it, and okay. and twenty one twenty one. I think is a good number to give you a little pause on like thinking, yeah, for sure Ohio State is going to do that. But but these are two teams. I think we know the talent gap because there's a talent gap between everybody mm-hmm. and Ohio State in the Big Ten. But the, the average margin of victory in the last three years since Tom Allen's been the head coach in Indiana has been 30 points um, between these two teams. Last year was 51 to 10 um, in Bloomington. And if you go back a few years, like when Kevin Wilson was there, yeah. Indiana was a team that was like a little bit of a pain in the butt for Ohio State. But I think there's maybe one game in the last five or six years that was particularly close, and that was in 2015. Other than that, these have been fairly comfortable wins. For Ohio State, and, and I think it's going to be the same, but but the three touchdowns is like just enough to give you pause because this is the best team that Indiana's had had in quite some time, and mm-hmm. I do think on some level um, the spread is a little disrespectful to Indiana, and they're certainly taking it that way. I don't know if you saw this on Monday morning, but Tom Allen had his weekly press conference, and someone asked him a question about his coaching career and starting in high school and building all the way up to coming back home and coaching in Indiana, like what that all meant to him. And he went on this yeah. long story about what, what it all meant. And it was very heartfelt. And then he starts crying. And then <laughs> I, the I end, didn't see at, this at the end of him crying. He says something to the effect of we're going to play our hearts out. We're going to fight and give it everything we have. And I don't care what anybody says about this stinking game, meaning, meaning the gap between them and Ohio wow. state and how Ohio state should roll themselves. Like, ah, oh, man, now I don't think the Ohio State's going to cover the twenty-one. I think Ohio State might win by like two touchdowns or seventeen now because Tom Allen cried during his press conference. Did you did you tear up here in that bill? Did did you get emotional? No, I've I've grown cynical in my old age. Yeah, um, yeah. So when that football makes coaches two of us. cry in press conferences. I'm just like whatever. Yeah, I that's uh, that's really interesting. I mean, obviously, I know his background, his story. Um, 
I, you know, Mondays, I usually tune out for most of the day because Penn State's off on Mondays. So, uh, which this year it's easy to tune out because you rewatch their games on Sundays and you're like, oh boy, um, I need to go pace around the neighborhood on Monday a little bit. So I did not see that. But I do think, though, there is definitely something to this Indiana team in the fact that, like, being there, watching them beat Penn State, watching kind of their emotions throughout that game on the sideline, their reactions, like, this is a team that very much, I know it's going to sound super cheesy and cliche, but the whole like loving each other deal, um, that's them. I mean, so it's I'm not totally shocked to hear that, you know, their coach cried when t- discussing his path in this game because you can see those emotions ooze out. I mean, this is a team that was storming on the field when Michael Penix maybe, maybe not breaks the plane on that two-point conversion. Uh, and they've kept rolling those emotions, you know, week after week. And I think that's really... Uh, interesting that you bring that up because I don't I don't necessarily think Ohio State is going to roll them as much as people probably think right like maybe two touchdowns is more fitting um I mean I just I don't see this Indiana team rolling over and dying but again it's so bizarre to watch the rest of the Big Ten because seemingly everyone else in the Big Ten East is rolling over and dying Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Right. I'm I'm a little conflicted on it because I, I do mm-hmm. agree with you. Like the the Indiana players very much sort of take on the emotions of their head coach and Tom right. Allen. And I think Tom Allen is a good coach. I think he's a really good program builder. Um, and what he has going there, I think, is something different from what we've seen in Indiana in the past. Uh, and obviously, certain weeks you're going to come up against a talent disadvantage, and that's happening this week. But I wonder I wonder how much of that emotional element like matters this week because Ohio State's about like Ohio State like fought like hell to play this year. And I think on some level is pretty angry that it didn't get to play last week. And on another level is like nervous about similar things happening moving forward. And, and right. I think the the fr- fragile nature of this season really hit home from them last year. So I expect this last week. So I expect them to be highly motivated as well. Um, so I think that kind of balances out. And then I just come back to the football side of it. And I look at Indiana and I think they're good. Um, I've talked about that on this podcast before, what I think of them and, and why. But I also look at it and see that they've played four teams that aren't very good, and they played yeah. four teams with pretty bad quarterback play and, and quarterbacks that were throwing them the ball. And Indiana was being opportunistic and taking advantage of turnovers, which you give them credit for on one hand. But on the other, you wonder, like, is that a replicable, replicable against a kid like Justin, Justin Fields, Fields who doesn't throw interceptions? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ohio State doesn't make many mistakes, right? Like, that's kind of, to your point, like, you got to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there. But... You know, Ohio State isn't that team that's going to come over, turn the ball over a bunch of times. I mean, heck, 
Justin Fields has incompleted what? How many passes this year? Like it's it's ridiculous. 11. Yeah, <laughs> so that's you know, like you're not going to get errant throws out of him. Um, I, I don't know, Bill, though, but I, I do think there's the whole fragile nature that you said of this season. Uh, I mean, can you imagine if I hope we don't get to this point? Uh, but if you're Ohio State, you fight like hell to have this season. You're looking pretty good, like you said, not elite, but looking pretty darn good. And you get one game pulled out from under you, and we still got a ways to go. I mean, I really do, if you're them, I mean, you feel for them. You feel for every team trying to play through this, but especially the ones like that, that legitimately had a ton at stake. You know, if if Penn State loses a game here along the way, um, for whatever reason, you can't play, you say, okay, well, it wasn't going, you know, as they hoped anyway. Um, quite frankly, some fans at this point might be okay with that, not seeing this team for another week. But you know, for these teams that you're, all of your goals are still ahead of you, I think every game matters. And that's also so strange when you look at trying to judge this season in terms of individual accolades. Like, what does that la- that not having a game last week do to Justin Fields in the Heisman race? You know, like, mm-hmm. how do you look at those numbers? And when you're comparing, okay, you're not going to get that ninth game this year. Maybe you get eight. Hopefully you get eight. Uh, you know, so it's just there's so many variables with it, but... Hey, I mean, this was not the marquee game that that we would have expected. I think had we had this conversation in September, even October, we'd say, okay, maybe this is like a sleeper game, uh, one that maybe Ohio State gets a little bit of a scare, but probably steamrolls Indiana. But that's not going to be the case this week. At least I don't think so. I mean, I'll be very surprised if it is. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think Ohio State's going to win by like fifty. Um, but but I think Ohio State is going to win by. Like right around the spread, I think three touchdowns, four touchdowns is certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, but it is nice, like the the Big Ten's been such a dumpster fire this year that it is nice to that, have a that's game being with, too with kind, actual. Bill. That is being yeah, way too kind. Yeah, so I want to I want to embrace the fact that we have a game with actual implications this week. There's actually two. There's one in the West with mm-hmm. Northwestern and Wisconsin, yeah. and I'm sure uh, Scott Docterman and Mitch Sherman will talk more about that on the Wednesday episode of the Big Football Show. Um, but this one, I think Ohio State Indiana is going to have. Uh, a few more eyeballs on it than, than that game will because it is a, a top 10 kind of deal. So if if Indiana were to win this game, Audrey, mm-hmm. how do you think that would have to go for that to happen? I think it's going to take some Ohio State beating themselves for that to for that to come into play, right? Like if Ohio State comes out and plays at the level that they've been playing, Indiana is not going to win this game. If Ohio State comes out, turns the ball over, looks sloppy, has some penalties, looks like maybe that week off impacted them negatively, then Indiana's going to hang around. And I think the worst thing you can do if you're Ohio State is let this emotional, this spirited Indiana team have a shot in the fourth quarter, right? Like you don't want them hanging around. So I think if, if you're Ohio State, you come out right away. Try to get a couple scores early, right? I mean, see, seeing them against Penn State, you watch that it's a 62-yard run or whatever it was, 64, whatever it was out of the gate. Uh, plays like that. I mean, those are momentum shifts right away that I think if you're Ohio State, you come out swinging, you come out that a team that looks like it's ticked off that it couldn't play last week um, because you don't want Indiana to have a shot late in the game because that's, I think, when they're potentially the most lethal, right? Because that's when yep. it's like, all right, if you've made it this far, what the heck's one more quarter? And that's, I think, when you maybe see that defense thrive a little bit more, right? Because you have the opportunity to go there, do something that 
really no one's expecting you to do. Uh, so if you're Indiana, throw everything you got at him, right? Like this is, to me, this is the one. You've got absolutely nothing to lose uh, if you're the Hoosiers. I'm very curious about Ohio State's secondary against this this Indiana offense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, it's been a little beleaguered, and, and you saw when you were covering the Jahan Penn State Dotson. Ohio State game, Jahan Dotson uh, gave Sean Wade and Seven Banks uh, some problems and made some incredible individual plays. Indiana's got Ty Freifogel and, and Wap Fillier, which is you're not going to find a better named wide receiver duo in the country. Um, no. And on top of that, they have Peyton Hendershot, too, who's a pretty good receiving tight end. So there are weapons here, and Penix has, Michael Penix has a really strong arm. And uh, last week, going into the Maryland game, a lot of the conversation on the Ohio State, State side of things was, well, is Talia Tonga-Vailoa and Rakeem Jarrett and those guys going to kind of throw it all over on, on Ohio State's defense? And I wish we would have gotten an opportunity yeah. to see that before this game, because that's still a little bit of an unknown here. And and if the answer to that question for the Maryland game, Maryland game hypothetically was yes – and the answer to the question this week is those guys are going to be able to get open and get behind people or, or make contested catches, then, then I think it's a game. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then on the flip side of that, and, and you'd be a better person to answer this maybe than, than I could because you you were there and you you were in the stadium watching and you get sort of mm-hmm. more of the 30-foot view watching the game, 30,000-foot view watching the game. Watching on television the Penn State-Indiana and the Michigan-Indiana games it felt to me like there were opportunities for both penn state and michigan to throw the ball down the field that they just didn't execute and if they had yeah, those no, games absolutely gone differently absolutely yeah penn state had some shots there um and they just didn't capitalize I mean, quarterback play was really i mean it's been problematic all season but it was really an issue uh their week one and that's something that i think though conversely bill um it's something that you know you look at it and you say okay you got to create explosive plays and we always hear it every week more and more you know we weren't explosive enough or we were explosive enough we won the explosive play battle uh, and that's such an important metric for so many teams um but yeah there definitely were opportunities there to be had i mean when you're sitting up in the press box and, and you're watching that overhead view uh, assuming your binoculars aren't fogging up, which I got to tell you, week one, that was a problem for me. It was um, a problem for me in the Rutgers game uh, was two it? weeks ago, too. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I'm going to tape my mask to my face like Paul Chris. I'm Paul Chris gonna, style. Yeah, I'm going to start taping it to my face. Uh, but yeah, that was that was honestly one of the challenges. But you could definitely see there were gaps there. There were plays to be made. Uh, and Penn State also could not run the ball in that game. I mean, that was, you know, they lost their starting, then starting running back Noah Kane on the opening drive. Uh, but that's something Ohio State should be able to run the ball there as well. So, I mean, you just, when you're the Buckeyes, you have so many weapons, right? And, like, you just watch a guy. I love watching Chris Olave play. I think it's a lot of a lot of fun. Do you enjoy watching him, Bill, or do you, what's, I guess, like, what's the most enjoyable part for you? Because I feel like, when you watch a team like that, that has so many guys that are going to be playing on Sundays, you get kind of spoiled, right? Like, you I know do, I got yeah. spoiled by watching Barkley. You're like, oh, here, he just did something crazy. Oh, we've seen that before. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches yeah, Chris Olave is just very smooth and, mm-hmm. and very consistent. And watching him, uh, the, the way teams have played him the last year and a half, it's not maybe been been the case 
con- continuously because mm-hmm. they just kind of play off of him because they're afraid of him running behind him. Um, but when he gets in a position where he's got to really use his route running to get open, um, it's it's a sight to behold. He's a really really good route runner. Yeah, Penn State. Uh, Penn, Penn State saw that firsthand, and uh, a few times, a few times they, they've seen that. And but no, I mean it's great for the Big Ten that despite all of the shortcomings of the Big Ten East right now, uh, you're at least going to get a a marquee game um, because certainly. I mean, I just, I did not expect that Penn State would bottom out as much as they had or have and continued to do. And so now it's like, all right, that gap uh, that we always talk about between Ohio State and everyone else, not just really in the East, but in in the whole conference, that's now there. That's now magnified. Uh, Maybe Wisconsin. I I don't know. I'm curious to see them uh, as well. Maybe there's something there that kind of challenges because i don't know bill as we kind of inch toward that week nine champions weekend or whatever they want to call it uh with game sites and teams and locations to be determined uh i just i still don't see anybody getting close to ohio state you know like it's like okay Mm. it's good to see an indiana team uh trying to you know make a run at them it'll be good to see if maybe wisconsin can make a run at them but i just still i think you look at the rest of it and now it, there's more disarray than we ever thought there would be uh, in the Big Ten the way this season's going so far. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to say that if it doesn't happen this week with Indiana that it's not going to happen. But I also am at a little bit of wait and see on Wisconsin. The fact that Wisconsin was off for two weeks yeah. and then came out and played Michigan on Saturday night on the road and just like ran them up and down the field and looked so much sharper than Michigan looked and way more invested and motivated than Michigan yeah. would, which like should have been desperate and wasn't. Um, I thought that was impressive from Wisconsin to kind of take it to them the way they did. And Graham Mertz wasn't as sharp as he was in his first game, but I think that's to be understood when I, mm-hmm. I think he started practicing like two days before that game. So yeah. um, I, I still think he is a kid that that elevates Wisconsin's season or ceiling, excuse me, um, probably considerably. So as, as assuming that they get to play the rest of their games going into that championship weekend, I think Wisconsin will emerge as a team that we look at as a legitimate contender or a threat to Ohio State. And then I think the only other team you put in that position is Indiana because Lord knows it's not Michigan and it's not yeah. Penn State. <laughs> so I don't know. And like Northwestern's not. having a good year. I don't think it's Northwestern either. So um, it's Ohio State and then I think the next tier is Indiana and, and Wisconsin and then there's like a – maybe a third tier with Northwestern and then a big old void and everybody else. <laughs> the, the void where everyone else gets to start their backup quarterback and try to figure yeah. out their, their issues. Yeah. Right. So uh, let's, let's take a spin around the rest of the big tennis before we wrap up here. Um, just quickly as a reminder to people, uh, Rutgers lost to Illinois 23 to 20 uh, Maryland and Ohio state obviously did not play Indiana beat Michigan state. Like we said, the only uh, team to win was Indiana and Penn state loses at Nebraska 30 to 23 and Penn State is now the only winless team in the Big 10 but in an odd way Audrey I feel like Penn State comes out of this weekend in a little better spot than than Michigan does these are two teams kind of yeah. lumped together right now with their misery um <laughs> I thought maybe Penn State did some things that could give people a little bit of hope in the second half against Nebraska yeah, no, no, I think I think you're right. I mean, it took them pulling starting quarterback Sean Clifford early in the second quarter, a strip sack returned for a defensive touchdown for Nebraska. Uh, the second strip sack in as many weeks for Sean Clifford. He also had an interception that was just absolutely brutal ball in the first quarter. So it, that's this is what it's taken uh, for him to, to get 
removed from the starting lineup. Uh, James Franklin would not name a starter afterward, but I think any logical listener, watcher, follower of this team knows that it's Will Levis. Um, James Franklin wasn't going to, you know, make that announcement in the media without talking to Sean Clifford. But, you know, when you talk about a team and Franklin consistently says their biggest issue right now is the turnovers, well, that biggest issue is your quarterback or was your quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely a positive that they made the right move. The fact that the offense responded to Will Levis, the fact that they were able to run the ball for really the first time this year, uh, we were able to see that ground game get going. The defense, uh, after being absolutely disastrous in the first half, played really well in the second half. But that's kind of Penn State's issue right now, Bill, is they look really, really bad on both sides of the ball in the first half, dig themselves a massive hole. Then they come out in the second half and look, you know, okay. Not usually like world beaters, but they usually look okay. But it's they just can't play from behind like this, and it's the same thing week after week with this team. So... If you're Penn State, you're hoping that the momentum that you showed, you know, you had a chance to go down the field and potentially tie that game at Nebraska, uh, weren't able to get the final playoff because your quarterback got drilled on it. Uh, it was an incompletion, but you showed signs of progress, which we couldn't say the same thing the week before against Maryland. So the fact that, you know, your, your best option right now is the quarterback who hasn't turned the ball over, like that's where this thing is. You know, it, it's sad, but Penn State has never been 0-5 in program history. This is their worst record, 0-4, since 2001. So we're we're in some uncharted territory right now. They're on the fringe of it, at least. Uh, and then Iowa comes to town 3.30 p.m. Saturday who the heck knows, Bill, with those two teams? I mean, it's you get Iowa, and then Penn State goes to Michigan the following week. Um, yeah, I mean, talk about a game that the beginning of the year, I thought this was going to be a marquee game. Then I look at it now, and I said, oh, my gosh, I don't even want to watch this in person. Uh, please, like, save my eyes. They're going to bleed. So I, you just don't know. I think you look at Michigan, you look at Penn State right now, Massive letdowns for both programs, but I I guess you have a little bit of hope if you're Penn State, but Michigan is just, they're a mess too, and I think more so a mess when, when you look at it. Penn State and uh, Michigan is what the kids on the internet call a sicko game. You only watch that if you're a sicko. Um, yeah. And I'll, be, and I'll be watching. Oh, yeah, I'll be watching, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I was able to watch that Nebraska game in 4K, and you know the play on the field wasn't any better, but that was a really cool viewing experience. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it makes me nervous because I thought covering the Penn State Ohio State game off of television a couple weeks ago was actually not that bad, and it makes me nervous that like next year when hopefully everything's mm -hmm. closer to back to normal, they're just like, yeah, you guys still can't come to the game. You just cover everything off of television. Yeah, and it, the thing was, I enjoyed it on television way more than I thought. I mean, there were definitely some times where you know you, you wished you'd be able to see the whole all twenty two view. Uh, you wanted to see some sideline interactions, but especially when you know Sean Clifford gets pulled and you're curious how's this going on the sideline. But all in all, I mean, you can rewind. It's really great. You can go to the bathroom whenever you want. You get snacks. I mean, this is uh, it was a brave new world out there. So uh, then you know <laughs> I I stepped into the office and was lobbing questions to James Franklin from you know behind my desk, which is just bizarre but it's it's where we're at right now and i think you know it's a penn state team that's searching for a lot of answers and as they continue searching i'll continue watching and trying to figure it out but yeah they're playing some really really bad football right now 
it did. It, it feels like Michigan's checked out a little bit, and I guess I guess the best thing you can say about Penn State is is it doesn't feel like that's the case with them with how they played in, in the second half against Nebraska. Yeah. It looked like um, it in the first half, but not the second. Yeah, half. right, right. Um, okay, let me ask you this quickly then before mm-hmm. we wrap up the show here. Uh, who who do you think starts a quarterback against Iowa on Saturday for Penn State? It has to be Will Levis. Uh, if it is not Will Levis, it is a massive, massive, massive blunder on behalf of James Franklin. Sounds like I have a column ready to go if that's the case, Bill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it has to be. You talk about turning the ball over. I mean, Sean Clifford, six interceptions uh, through three games. Or, I'm sorry, through three and a change, uh, if you count you know, that first quarter and change on Saturday. But, I mean, he's, he's looked awful. And that's really the – there's been a regression that's taken place, right? And, you know, you can point to the offensive line. Hasn't helped them out. Uh, but – Levis showed you something, right? You were able to, to use him to run the ball. He had a really big completion to Pat Fryermuth that kept them in the game. Um, this wasn't just Sean Clifford had a bad game against Maryland and a bad start against Nebraska. This has been Sean Clifford struggling, you know, the last all, – all the way this season. I mean, it's really – it's just so bizarre to try and figure out what in the world's going on with him and with Kirk Scirocco, who's supposed to be this quarterback whisperer. And I, I don't know long-term – you know, what what the outlook is for Clifford, because it looks like right now this is a quarterback that you kind of have to rebuild. Uh, but yeah, Will Levis has to be their guy on Saturday. Um, I, quite frankly, Bill, I was a little floored when after the game Levis said that he really hadn't received any first-team reps in practice all the last week. I thought that was pretty uh, pretty bad on Penn State's staff. Yeah, I saw that coming too. I thought that was interesting because it, it seemed like it had been trending in a direction where you had to use him more mm-hmm. than for him to say that he hadn't been practicing with the ones I thought reflected pretty poorly on, on the yeah. office of coaching staff. Yeah, no, I mean, and you know, we can also look at trying to kick a 56-yard field goal into mm-hmm. the wind as another you know another decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's right now I think for Penn State, you can look at a, an offense that's underachieving. You can look at a defense that's giving up a ton of big plays. That's also underachieving. And you can look at a coaching staff that's made some really suspect calls. Um, I'll make the argument, you know, you see Nebraska comes into that game, makes a quarterback change. If Penn State goes into that game with Levis and not Clifford, you might win the game. I mean, it's just they continue to make some of these decisions that you just say, okay, like if if Clifford wasn't going to get pulled the week before when it was 35-7 to against Maryland, what does it take? Well, at least Saturday we kind of saw – Unfortunately for Sean, what it takes for a starting quarterback to, to get benched, maybe temporarily, who knows for how long, um, in this offense. But yeah, there's uh, they've had uh, some more pleasant times in Happy Valley, Bill. I can put it that way. Yes, there are not, not there's not much in the way of pleasant times happening on, on this side of the Big Ten. Uh, Penn State is not the only team with quarterback questions now. Uh, Michigan State mm-hmm. pulled Rocky Lombardi. And their loss to Indiana put in Peyton Thorne. And I think that's, at the very least, a competition for them. The, the thing we don't know with Michigan State is if it's going to play this week. They're supposed to play Maryland on Saturday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, Monday afternoon. And Maryland has announced that it's not practicing on Monday, but a decision on that game uh, has not been made yet. So make sure you keep it tuned in to the big football show the rest of the week to get updated on the status of Maryland. Um, Mitch Sherman and Scott Dockerman will have you covered on the Big Ten West on Wednesday. You'll hear hear much more about reeling Michigan and what's going on at Michigan State with Colton Pouncey and Austin Meek on Thursday. And then, of course, Ari Wasserman and Jesse Temple will have picks, including picks, for the big top ten matchup between Indiana and Ohio State on Friday. And Audrey and I will talk to you guys next week. (laughs) 